and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Morning, Ben. <laughs> Morning, Janine. <laughs> uh, evening. So, money magicians, welcome, welcome, welcome to um, episode 27 of the Money Magic series. Wow, guys, like what started off as a random series, if you guys remember, is now turning, has now turned into a thing, 27 episodes later. So today I brought my financial advisor to come on the show and talk to us. Her name is Shanine, and I'm really excited to hear what you guys um, think, and, and I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. So Before we get started, let me introduce myself. My name is Vangile Makwakwa, and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts and um, increase their income and live their best lives. And what I, and usually I have students come on the show that um, who do my work, especially around healing ancestral trauma. So today I've got Shanine because a lot has happened during COVID. And now Shanine knows me long before you guys even know me. She knows me from when I was fully in debt. And when we started, she got me investing in unit trust at 200 rand a month. I always share that story. <laughs> Guys, I've come a long way on this money journey. So thank you, Shanine, and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and to share this moments, these moments with you. And um, looking forward to the session. Yeah, I know when we started, you're like, you know, I'm not a video person, <laughs> I'm online person, but I am so, so excited. Please tell us about yourself and what you do. Tell well, us I'm a- any interesting information about yourself. 
Thank you. I'm actually a financial, I'm a broker at the moment. I have, was a financial planner for quite some time. So a broker, financial planner, it's a, it's a little bit of a mixture. So I used to work for um, companies solely, like I was working initially for Old Mutual Direct, directly uh, as a financial planner, but only for Old Mutual. And then I moved to Sunlum and we got other products going and we did Sunlum Mutual. And so I, it's just progressed from there. So now I'm a full broker. We do everything that you can think of with regards to money. So um, wow. the only thing that we don't, I don't do is I don't do trading on, on the stock exchange because um, I need to sleep at night and that is very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the rest of it, it's really uh, so nice to be part of people's lives and to help them to grow and to get out of debt and learn just better uh, financial management. Yeah, no, definitely. Hey, I really feel... Um, like maybe some people are wondering what is the difference between a financial planner and a broker? Um, what is the slight difference? What does a so, so it's not, there's do? not much difference. You do almost exactly the same as a broker does for a financial planner. A financial planner generally, um, I know they're busy changing the terms now with the new compliance laws, so we might go back to financial planner, but it was always historically that a financial advisor was for one product. Uh, where a broker does multiple products so it was and works for a company that can take um, multiple um, options available to you so it's actually more a product thing um, more than anything else the planning the process the education the everything is all the same Hmm, wow okay that is amazing so before we dig into the nitty-gritty i'm very very interested because i know how you think and See, money, it's a very, very practical thing, right? <laughs> Which is why I hired you and why we've been working together since being heavily in debt. So what does money mean to you? How would you describe money to an alien? Well, um, money is just what you need to operate in the world. I mean, no matter who you are or um, in this world, in this day and age, we need money to operate. However, it's very easy that money starts controlling you. And I think it's important that we start um, making money work for us. And um, we, But while we're doing that, so it's more of an education thing, we need to educate ourselves to say, how does money work for us? Instead of allowing it to control us, um, we need to keep a balance. It's very important that we have balance for families' importance, our ethics are important, our um, values are important. So there's a lot of things that happen. To, so it's not a clear cut uh, way to say you must do this with money or you must do that with money. And that's why you need somebody to help you because yeah. there's so many changing circumstances in everybody's life. Mm -hmm. But uh, the idea is just to systematically learn more and more how to not let it control you, but rather to use it to work um, to your benefit. So I really, really love that you spoke about why it's important that um, your ethics come into play, your values come into play, all these things, because the very first session that we had, I didn't just walk in and get sold all sorts of products or anything. We actually sat down and get got to know each other and figure out what is it that I want for my life, what are my lifestyle goals, all that. So please can you take us through a basic first session that um, a financial planner, I would say a really good financial planner, because when I tell people that I do this, most people are like, what? I just got sold the funeral policy, the this, yeah. the that. I'm like, 
Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So yeah. what would a financial planner take you through before they even tell you what to invest in? Okay, so, so it's very important what you're saying now, Van. Um, the most important thing is that the, the, the financial planner or broker or advisor gets to know you a little bit. Everybody's circumstances is different. Everybody's desires for what they want is different. Um, some people want to gather things. Some people want to live a life. Some people are worried about their kids' future. Some people don't have children. So you, it's not a blanket approach. You, the, the advisor needs to learn first. That's the first thing they do. They need to know a little bit about who you are. What do you want for your career? What do you want for your life and for your family and whatever? What matters to you? And then you can take it. And then it's an education process to say, okay, so but your first appointment is really just actually bonding and getting to know you. The second part is actually gathering information. Because sometimes what we say and what is on paper is a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> so yeah. you must the person's um, ideology in their head and then say, okay, so you say that this is important to you, but you haven't done this, this, and this. Yes. Is there a reason why you haven't done that and that and that? Is it, um, for example, if I just use a silly example, if I say, uh, if somebody says the savings is the most important thing in my life, but they haven't saved yes. one thing. Yes. Um, okay, so then there's a bit of an antithesis, there's a breakdown in something. So, okay, if it is so important for you, is it just because you don't know how to do it? Um, do you not know the first steps? So that first appointment plus coming on from then on is a growing thing of getting to know the person. Um, you have all different types of characters, all different types of people, and you need to take that into account. So yeah. that is the, the most important things. And then obviously we've been trained, we do this um, every day. Um, we we work with money every day, so we've become pretty good at what we do. Okay, yeah. you do what you do, and you've become pretty good at what you do. Yeah. Um, and so it's important that it's just an education thing to say. Okay, I am now getting to know who you are, and I want to share with you about how I think money should be operated. And this is, and it's not really how I think. It's more about what is the trained, good, solid, foundational uh, advice about money? And can we yes. start a process? It is a process. Then uh, there's no ways. You can't just come in there and think, the advisor, you have one meeting with a financial planner and then chuff, chuff, your financial uh, worries are gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, definitely. <laughs> I mean, how much has changed over the years for me, right? Like I Absolutely. started as like, started um, investing. So I know a lot of people, guys, if you listen to our property podcast, you know, that like retirement annuities don't get a big, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very popular with us. But I work with Shanine and I've had this discussion with her back and forth. Should I cancel? Should I? And I decided that I'm going to keep mine. Mainly just because for me, it's like there's a lot of things like Shanine said, it depends on your lifestyle. I'm in no hurry. I have years, I have decades before retirement. <laughs> and in that time, in that time, I can still work on my property portfolio and build other uh, investments. But at the same time, what I wanted to say is that like we sat down and we figured out, I remember the first thing we talked about, Janine, my first thing was I am high risk. I can take on as much risk as I want. Give it to me. Like, you know, because I don't have any kids. And then yes. we had to speak about why are you doing this? Um, is there any reason you want to invest? Because 
I, here I am. I wanted to travel. I don't have kids. I don't have anything. So there needed to be a why as to yeah. why you are investing mm-hmm. and what you're hoping to do. And I really, really appreciated that because it got me really thinking about how to align my vision with mm-hmm. my finances. So Absolutely. Really, really uh, and I think, remember, if you remember, the, one of the first steps we did was drawing up the budget. Um, because without a budget, a budget in your head is not is not a budget, and you will never have um, be able to plan and to actually make good uh, positive steps forward without starting with a, a plan on paper and saying this is my budget, this is what I spend, and this is my wiggle room. Um, and actually, we still use the budget that you gave, like the oh, spreadsheet yeah, that yeah. you gave me. It's still in the Money Magic course, the Money Magic students. Oh, I love it. Love it. And Thank you. It. Because here's the thing. Most budgets aren't taking into account the whole, the whole of who you are. What we're taught with budgets isn't what do you actually spend. It's almost like what you would love to spend as you cut down, which is where mm. a lot of people, people really struggle, right? Because absolutely, you're mm. trying to change spending habits and now you're trying to block yourself into this mm. thing that you've never done. You've never spent like that before. To That's begin it. With, you know? um, so, so one of the things that I think I would just, uh, that I would like to highlight there is, and what you were saying there with the budget is also um, rewarding yourself. Um, oh. <laughs> what, we tend, what we tend to do is we tend to, um, if we feel like we've worked hard, uh, the money might not be in the bank yet, but we've worked hard and we feel we need a reward, what we do, we go shop or we go to we go and buy something. We need to find other ways to make us feel you've been rewarded, you're okay, you're on a good track without breaking the bank, without ruining your, all the hard work that you've done. So that, that, and rewarding yourself is important, otherwise you'll never keep to it. The fun account. I call the it fun the account. account. <laughs> Guys, now you see why I work with Shanine, right? Why, <laughs> I could never work with someone that's like, stay on budget, don't do anything, don't have any fun, don't go have the latte. And I think really when we do it that way, it's so frustrating because mm. people, I've seen people beat themselves up because they had an ice cream for the day. Yes, yeah. You know, and it's like, then we start to really, really hate budgets Mm. because Mm. the ice cream, which probably costs like five rand or like 50 cents if you're in the US, isn't going to totally, completely break your bank. But then like how you treat yourself because you got it Mm. makes you end up really despising your budget. You know? Yeah. No, uh, I'm with you, and I agree with you. So it's important that you actually say, "All right, if I um, if I'm going to keep to my budget uh, and really work on these things, um, think before I spend, um, then I can reward myself with something, and this is what I'm going to reward myself with." Um, better to plan the reward than to actually do um, an on the fly by uh, impulsive reward, because then you'll generally tend to do something that you shouldn't do. Yeah, just put it yeah. into your budget. That's it. But, oh, gosh. Guys, fun is important. I hope that, like, you guys, like, now really believe me now that you're hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks for that, Janine. Because I think, yeah, like, um, I think that we have been taught to beat ourselves up mm. around money. And because we also just, like, 
equate money with self-discipline and so we become the disciplinarians to ourselves and in our heads oftentimes self-discipline means self-denial we tend to conflate the two which is so so dangerous okay so most people often ask me as well like i get asked this question almost every month Mm -hmm. um should i focus on saving and investing or should i pay off debt and i think this is kind of like a big thing now as people um um getting payouts from their jobs uh during covid so what is your answer to that and i've told people that i really feel like this is something that you need to decide for yourself or talk to a financial planner on because i'm not a financial planner and unless i know your full story or work with you and you figure it out yourself i can't really answer Mm -hmm. it so what is your take on this so so my take is that you always need to have some savings you need to continue to save wherever possible. Now we know in COVID times, you're going to get times where that is impossible because you have to eat and you have to have a roof over your head. Um, And some maybe you've got family members that um, have lost their job or a trench. So I understand that there are times, but if you consistently try and just put a little bit away, maybe less, maybe not the same amount, reduce a little bit, but don't stop it completely. Get into that habit of savings. It's pay yourself first. That's yeah. what it is. And so it's uh, you must see it as paying an account. You pay yourself as part of your budget. Um, if you get retrenched, obviously the situation is uh, changes and you might have to put it on hold. But don't see it as that you're not doing, say, you're putting it on hold for now. Um, mm. There are, there are many ways of looking at it and you've got, obviously, you can have policies and insurance to cover that type of thing as well. Um, it, it depends on when, how old you are, when you started, what other nest eggs you've built up. But if you can, at all possible, um, you need to pay debt 100%. You need to concentrate and have that debt plan, but you need to save. Because uh, when something goes wrong, like COVID, for example, if you haven't saved, you can't go um, and say, yeah, but I've paid off this debt because all you're doing then is making more debt. But if you've got a little nest egg, using a nest egg and you're not uh, contributing to additional debt. Mm, I love that advice. That is pretty great advice, actually. I think that um, I feel like just having something on the side, yeah. an emergency account was so powerful for me when I was paying off debt, you know, yeah. because it was like I could stop re- creating new debt to pay for emergencies because there was at least something. Something. Uh, and Van, what you're saying as well is um, obviously you must remember the peace of mind. Yes. The, the 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 health it gives to your emotions to know that there's some money there even though you've got debt you have got a little something that you can turn to if something worse happens or if something goes wrong the car the whatever um, if you pay everything to debt then you then you're constantly on tension you're constantly on um, on the, on the back foot yes um, like that, you know? yes um, oh gosh you know like Honestly, I wish someone had told me this because when I was heavily in debt, what I would do before I met you, right? And then like, obviously light bulb moments and learnings. (laughs) And that was why, like, that was really, really powerful. 
because we had this discussion you were like no you have to put something aside you yeah. have to save something even as you're paying off debt because i was so frustrated and i was so ashamed and i was so angry about being in debt but more than anything it was like this entire mindset that i created around debt making me this failure etc so i wanted to pay it off as fast as possible so what would often happen is i would take as much money as possible that as much of my money to pay off the debt as quickly as possible and then i would have so little left for myself for my yeah. basic needs and my basic expenses that i would end up really recreating debt just to be able to pay for basics so yeah. it actually worked against me so i really really love this advice thank you for that chenin thank you um so let's talk about investing right <laughs> because misa and i you haven't listened to our podcast you must take a listen to our oh, okay. podcast you won't be shocked you'll be like oh there goes vagilera right so <laughs> speaking of investing i know that people often limit in investments especially with financial advisors to uh retirement annuities and funeral policies and sometimes unit trusts and we'll get to the funeral policies to unpack that right so please tell us what other options are there because i think we don't know just how vast the world of finance really is because we're only presented with what we're presented with especially the funeral policies and the continuities yeah. as yeah. the only options i think that the the best way to do it and a financial planner or broker should help you with this thing is divided into two categories the one is investment options savings investments that sort of thing and the second one is so it's creating wealth on the one side Uh-huh. and the second the other side is actually um is your risk products and uh, mm. your funeral covers your life disability trauma trauma's cancer stroke heart attack protection against that so if uh, you do get one of a dread disease that they give you a lump sum so that you can a tax free lump sum so that you can cope in those trying times um the other thing said for professionals they can get sickness benefit which is really wonderful it just means that if you get sick and you booked off from the doctor then you get your salary um and depending on the waiting period so whether you get a salary from your company or not they'll still pay out and that gives you a lot of uh of relief as well so you've got your risks there's a lot of different products on the risk side there's a lot of different on the wealth side um oh i don't i know about the dread disease because i think you've got me on yeah. that mm-hmm. um and i know life insurance but i guess it's also on a case by case basis absolutely and obviously lifestyle so i don't have a lot of risk products mm-hmm. i know that <laughs> <laughs> so so the reason you don't have a lot of risk products is more because um you don't have children at the moment and so you don't have to worry about a husband and kids and stuff like that um so again it must be tailor <laughs> it must be tailor made <laughs> you've also got to take your career into consideration yeah. so if you work a 9 to 5 job then there's more options available to you if you work for yourself they can't like a retrenchment benefit they can't really um protect you to say you're going to be retrenched because then you can just retrench yourself at any moment wait am i just hearing this like you have a retrenchment benefit so you can get a retrenchment benefit they've stopped most of them but there are companies that do the retrenchment benefit yet 
Ursula. Uh, this waiting period, generally it's a month waiting period and you get you can get about 60% of your salary back for six months. So they pay you for six months. But it's certain careers and it's certain job descriptions. It's uh. not... Uh, you've got to, you can't be, uh, as I say, you can't work for yourself. Um, you've got to um, have been working in that job for at least a year. So there's still certain criteria, but there, it is an option. And if you can afford it, it's not that bad uh, in price-wise. And if you can afford it and you uh, correctly, um, you've been working at, uh, at a job for a year, you're a normal nine to five, you're getting paid a salary, it's not commission or anything like that, then it's an option for you. Wow, guys, like, I'm not going to lie, I'm thinking, gosh, had I known this, I would have just gotten the retrenchment benefits. God's <laughs> <laughs> work for someone for a year, made sure I got fired after a year. <laughs> that is not the way to think. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home for six months, yeah. gotten like 50% of my salary. <laughs> Wow, no. Okay, okay, I hear you, Shamin. Uh, you hear me. <laughs> What's your investment column? Yes. And I'm so interested uh, with the difference between, before we even go into investment and wealth creation, what's the difference between investment and wealth creation? Because now we're in the investment column and we'll go into the wealth creation. Okay, so the, diff the difference is clearly um, one covers, uh, one creates money for you for now and for later. Yeah. Okay, right up in your whole life. So it's creating wealth. The other column is protecting your life, protecting things that, against things that can happen to you. Like you take a car insurance um, to protect your, in case you have a car accident. Now you're protecting your body in case you have an accident or you get sick or you die and pass away and you leave your family without money. The cheapest way to leave a legacy to your family is through life cover. If you work out premium for premium, it's the cheapest way. The reason why insurance companies can make it work is because people stop and start policies. They they take out a life cover and then they stop it. And then they take out a new one at a more expensive rate and then they stop it. That is how they make their money. But actually, if you take it, if you take out a life cover and you keep it, it's the cheapest way to make sure that you or your family or your kids or whoever your beneficiaries are get some money on your death. So it is a it's a lifelong that you pay for it. But it is a way to change the lifestyle of your future generations from a possibly more poverty-based lifestyle to, to a lifestyle where they can actually have the finances to have a jump start. So um, some people are very negative to life, life policies. They say the kids must work for themselves. And that's fine on one hand. Why? But you, yeah, but people you, that think like that. Very much so. Very much so. But for, for me, I just think to myself that um, in this day and age, to be able to give your kid a jump start, um, yeah. it's very hard to get jobs as it is. It's very hard to get going. You need good capital to get a, something like your own company going. Um, and also just to change the whole dynamics of the future generations. If you teach your children good money sense, they won't waste the money. They will spend it wisely. And you're changing your your uh, your, your descendants. Um, generational wealth wow okay so this is i was gonna ask this question later but like let's transition yeah. into this and we'll come back to the investment okay because you know i didn't know this even as a finance graduate it's only when i sat down with you and i don't know if you remember my first 
thing was. Because what did I know? I sat down with you and I was like, yeah, I need a funeral policy. And you were like, why are you getting a funeral policy? You know? Okay. And I think this is all that uh, most of us know. We grew up just with yeah. funeral policies as the option. And it's only when you told me, mm -hmm. oh, get life insurance and these are the options in life insurance. Yeah. Please tell us the, uh, the difference with the funeral policy and a life insurance cover. Because I think people don't know just how powerful a life insurance yes. cover is versus a funeral policy. Okay. So a funeral policy is just a more expensive option to life cover and it's um, generally it's a smaller amount. So, so for example, it's normally between 5,000 and 50,000, maybe 100,000 for a funeral policy yeah. um, and you pay X premium. Um, for life cover, it's generally half that price, if not more, if not even better than that. And um, it does, so the only difference is the payout, uh, speed of payout. So uh, funeral policies, they say five days and then you have your money. And that's what people appeals to people. But if, uh, life insurance can pay out just as quickly. Um, they, they, their turnaround time is 30 days, but that's just because they're protecting themselves. If nothing, uh, if nothing foreign or something, nothing weird has happened in, uh, to that person, they haven't died in suspicious circumstances, there's no reason. Um, everybody, both the funeral side and the life side, you've got to wait for the death certificate um, to be able to submit the case because they need to prove that the person's passed away. But uh, actually, buck for buck, life insurance is cheaper. Yes, yes. And also, I want to say that um, more people don't may not know this, right, Janine? So I think we need to cover this because it was also just so fascinating for me that um, funeral policies tend to have a cap as to yes. what they pay out. And usually it's like 50,000, 100,000 rand. Mm -hmm. Life insurance, you can be insured for like, I know for me, should I say it? Or do we talk about these things? Like you can be insured in the millions, right? Absolutely. For your family, right? Yeah. And yeah, probably don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> in the millions. And like Shanine said, if something happens to you, at least your family is guaranteed um, a bigger payout, right? Because that money can be used for other things. Other things, correct. So it's it's it, both for the funeral. 100%. So the funeral and life cover, they're not going to tell you you must pay for the funeral. It can be used for whatever the beneficiary. So generally, they use some of the money uh, for the funeral. Um, you're 100% right. Um, there's a cap. On most uh, funeral policy, it's not a it's not a funeral cover cap. It's it's a product cap. So each company comes yes. up with their cap. Yes. Where um, with life cover, you can really go from five hundred thousand. In fact, you can go from basically the same amounts as funeral cover, right up to millions, depending on your income and how much um, they will qualify you for. Even people like, for example, um, home executives and all that, they can also get cover, life cover. Yeah. And so what you're doing, you're probably paying the same for a funeral policy uh, of, say, 50000 as you would probably pay for a 500000 on a on a life cover. For yeah. a couple of days, maybe wait. Yes. Is it worth it? That's something that you have to decide for yourself. I'm not going to lie. I don't think when I came to you, I literally suggested funeral policy, mm -hmm. not because of the waiting period. I didn't even know any of that. 
yeah. details. It's just that we are not sold life cover. We're not sold life insurance. We're sold funeral policies. And this is what we know. And worse, we end up with like multiple funeral policies. But mm-hmm. like you say, then we end up paying like three, four funeral policies. And we don't even know that there is a cap on the product mm-hmm. and depending yeah. on the brand. So if you're paying for uh, funeral policies within the same company, even if you're like, oh, I'm going to get 200,000 if the funeral policies are under one company's umbrella and their cap is 100,000, you're only getting 100,000. So I didn't know any of this stuff, right? (laughs) Because it's just not taught. Again, things that we, important things we are not taught in school. So, so th- th- there's another reason for it as well. Um, so, first of all, you must check your policy document to see what you're covered for. It's supposed to be very clear for you, funeral or not. But the reason people choose funeral covers is because of group schemes. Now, group schemes is a company's uh, way of doing mass selling. Yes. Okay. okay. So they do mass market selling. You get the you get it in your newspapers or you get it in your magazines that you sell. Sometimes they come to the company, like for example, uh, they'll go to Saps because it's a big company and they will sell blanket funeral policies. Everybody, uh, so they don't take each person's specific uh, scenario circumstances into account and that is why it's better instead of trying to take a funeral policy out and i'm not saying all funeral policies are bad there's a place for funeral policies if you only want that cover you've got other cover there's specific yeah. reasons why you want it it's fine yeah. but um when you you start getting your product through a magazine or because somebody's coming and selling a funeral policy to everybody in your uh, company or in your section or whatever there's no personalization into it and maybe it's time then that you actually stand up and you do your become serious about your money that you go and look for your planner and you find them instead of them bring coming to you and treating you like a number yes yes so the other challenge i think with funeral policies that we need to cover today is also that with a funeral policy you can put other people into the policy so you can cover your grandmother your grandfather all that but um life cover only covers you so what options are there for people because we are a nation that is looking where we just don't focus on ourselves but we're looking out for everybody else in the family and we're going to have to contribute so how do we what options do you suggest in that case how can people go ahead and save for such an important event like for a funeral or for somebody else in the family that they know our family members need help sometimes um, so you, you're talking about two different sides to it. So one is on the risk side and one is on the savings and the wealth creation side. So that emergency fund, you can bump it up to ma- make sure that you've got enough money. You're going to have a separate account for you to make sure that there's enough money there for just uh, family assistance. But you can actually on r- risk cover, on the life cover side, uh, not only on the funeral cover side, you can add other people. You can add your parents. Wow. You can add your siblings. Um, no gen- way. I didn't know this. Generally, they just want what they call insurable interest. There must be a reason for it. You've got to declare what your reason is to say, why do you feel that? So, for example, you would like one on your mom because you are responsible to take care of her. So you need to motivate a reason. 
uh, of why. So sometimes if you can't motivate the reason, what you can do is with your family's permission, say your mom, um, you can take it out in her life on her name. So she's the owner of the policy that you are the beneficiary. You can be the payer and the beneficiary. So it's just that she's saying um, in all intents and purposes, I'm happy with this. I know I own the policy, but actually the money is going to van. Um, and this is according to my uh, wishes. So there's ways around it, but otherwise you can do it where you're the owner. Um, and it's, But you just need shareable interest. For a life cover, they're just a bit stricter on uh, proving why are you covering that person. But again, you get a higher cover. You can get a couple of th- hundred thousand, a million rand for, for a family member. There are always with life cover, there's uh, limits on age, entry age. So most of them are 60, some 70. And um, I see there's a couple of companies now that have come with 75. So you need to sort it out before your parents get too old if, the, if you want to cover, have them covered properly. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is, that is such valuable advice. And I wish I had known this. But also, yeah, I think that sometimes it's such a, it's such a difficult conversation to have, you know, um, because like sometimes people may be like, why do you want to put me on a life insurance? Yeah. What are you trying to say? What, what are, are you, you going to be happy? Trying to do? <laughs> you're going to be the beneficiary in the event of my passing, yeah. you know, but I can see how that is so much cheaper because um, I've actually done the math around yeah. this uh, between zero yes. policies and yeah. life cover. And I, wish I had known this. Yeah. Um, like I said, yeah, a while ago, but it's all good because... Um, so, <laughs> sorry, Ben, I, ju- I just want to add something to that. So, say, for example, you get some families, and it generally runs in families, where they're adamant that they say, you're not going to benefit from my death, and that's yeah. fine. That's a personal choice, and you can... Uh, but some parents are actually only too happy. They can't afford the premium, yeah. but they're very happy if you pay for it, and you're going to be the beneficiary of it, because it's their way of giving you a legacy. It's their way... Yeah. Of, because they have to go for a medical where funeral cover you generally know medicals that's yeah. the other difference but they're happy to do that if it means that you can get a benefit from um, from once they've passed they're leaving you something like a present a legacy a something wonderful that can get you going so it depends how you approach people and how they feel about it you know from the historic viewpoints as well this is very very intense Shanine, as you're talking, I feel really sad. I just have to put it out there. I feel really, really sad because I have watched family members, my family members, friends, their family members spend money on funeral policies Mm -hmm. and parents want to leave their kids something Mm -hmm. and not know that there was another way other than a funeral policy to do this. So this, I'm glad that we're getting this information out there, but I'm also really sad. But I can also totally see how wealth is constantly passed on from generation to generation once people know how to do it to ensure that, like, wealth continues to pass on. So... So, so that brings us back to old money. And we all know in this, um, if you come from old money... Um, you're in a much better position than, than even new money. So yeah. if you can, and basically all we're doing is in this in this generation, we are creating an opportunity for our grandkids to have old money. Yes, yeah. yes. 
Whew, I love this. <laughs> I've got another, I've got another thing that I can stuff. throw in there, if that's fine okay. with you. Okay, so, <laughs> no, do you, so please feel free. <laughs> we, we keep speaking about uh, the, the older generation and taking out life cover and then, but you know, on the wealth creation side, remember we did the two yeah. sides? Yes. You can take out a retirement annuity for your child or your grandchild at the age of yes. two. Yes. So from two, you can start investing in their, uh, their retirement plan. And because time in the market, the longer you have a product, the more money it creates because you get the compound interest kicking in. If you take out the retirement annuity for your two-year-old grandchild or your two-year-old uh, uh, ch child, two plus, um, you're creating an opportunity for them that they may never have to worry about retirement planning. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying yeah. that. I just, yeah. so many ahas at my <laughs> house, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, like, I realized that as we're talking over the years, you see, you haven't been talking to just <laughs> daily <laughs> knowledge. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I've had to learn because we've been, you've been explaining why we're doing this investment and yeah. why this is happening and all that. So this brings me to investments. And yes. I'm so, I have to say this, I'm so happy that you broke down investment and wealth creation because sure. investment, because now I see what you mean. Wealth yeah, creation yeah. is... Asia. This is stuff that we pass down to the next generation. Okay, so, and then so investment just, is our thing. Sorry, the wealth creation is the investment is under wealth creation, a, a risk, investment risk or risk. Uh, it's not only investments; it's it's more the the risk side of it, the risk products that creates wealth for future generations. So it's risk okay. and wealth creation. Okay. Okay. And then. So that's, um, yeah. Investments <laughs> or oh, under wealth uh, creation because you're creating wealth for oh, for that's all under wealth creation. Yeah, okay. that's it. so what else? Let's talk about um, other investments other than retirement annuities. What other things can what other investments can people work with financial planners on? Like that they can okay, so generally, generally, we're not uh, traders. Uh, as wealth planners, we're not. We long-term investors. Um, so we and we long. Uh, so we 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 save and we invest for the long term. We don't do this overnight trading and that sort of thing. Um, um, you can invest in all sorts of things from shares, from unit trusts. The shares that we invest in are, are generally um, the blue chip companies that are on planning to invest in them for a long time. It's not a overnight thing. I track. Shanine, please explain blue chip. <laughs> okay, oh, sorry. Blue, blue, blue chip companies are your best companies, your most popular, the pick and pays, the banks, the uh, Cecil, those are all blue chip companies. It's the big boys in town, you know, the, the big boys. So generally when you're investing in them, and we uh, generally do it through unit trusts, so it is, unit trust is like shares. It's just that you're not buying only a pick and pay share, for example. You're buying a pick and pay share that's part of a group of other shares. It comes with Cecil, comes with NetBank and whatever in a unit trust. So it's not that you're not investing. Um, obviously property, we don't, for example, um, sell property uh, generally, like bonds and that sort of things ourselves. Some of them, some, some brokers can do bonds. Um, but what we do do is um, we do commercial property as part of a unit trust share portfolio. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So it's um, so it's not residential property, it's commercial property and it's, it's there. We do preservation funds, we do employee benefits, we do um, pension funds, we do um, uh, provident funds are now coming to an end. Um, so it's it's many different ways. Um, it's like if you really want to go high risk, you can invest in containers and artwork and that sort of thing. Generally, you have to have an artwork broker to do that specific thing. Um, but otherwise, we do more where it's more diversified. There's less risk. We're not high risk investors. We um, low to medium risk investors, where we uh, do. Uh, how can I say we diversify as much as possible? Mm, I'm so fascinated by. Uh, shipping containers. So people can go to a financial planner to invest in shipping containers. No, I say we don't do that. Those ones. Okay. It can be done because of the high risk. Okay. We do medium to low risk. A okay. shipping container is very high risk because it can fall off that book. Uh, it can <laughs> it can rust. It can go and fall into the sea. They don't tie it down properly. It's it's and that can be um, because some people put their whole retirement plan in there. And then, yeah. then, then they don't have a retirement plan anymore. So we don't like to take such um, such big risks. Um, and that is also why most brokers work with big companies. We don't work with a little fly by, the, by nuts. If they, if your broker is starting to work with a little company, um, beware, beware. Mm. Go for the bigger <laughs> companies. That is how you're keeping yourself safe. Okay. Okay. I like this. So um, for me, what I, what I like about financial planning is like how I said to you from the jump, I take a lot of crazy risks. Yeah. <laughs> I take risks. So I needed someone who can make sure that even when I am taking risks in business in every other area, that at least a good portion Correct. of my money uh. is still there. So I feel like, and I love what you said about the peace of mind, because I'm like, yeah. okay, I know in case of emergencies, I actually have an emergency fund. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Yeah. Let's keep risking and doing things because there is some way that I can pull money from in yeah. case of emergencies. emergencies. And I feel like... That is super powerful. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if all you have is an investment portfolio that consists of uh, your entrepreneurial um, ventures and your high-risk ventures, what happens when things go south? Like, I feel like yeah. you need a diversified portfolio. Yeah. So I'm so, so glad that um, we're talking about this. And I have a few more questions, but I know okay. that the one that people are probably asking or wondering about and I like is she going to get to it is do you have a process that people can use to help them pay off debt quickly because I know people are hearing how we started working together and yeah. <laughs> I was like investing in like 200 rand a month in unit trust uh, <laughs> it was really cool <laughs> I started guys I couldn't I had no savings bone in my body I was a highly in debt and like we had to train me to get used to this. But how do people pay off debt and how can they work with a financial planner to help them pay off debt and keep that saving and build that saving habit at the same time? So it's, it's similar to um, if you have to say it like this, um, to say about dieting. How do you stay on a diet and how do you stay on a diet? <laughs> um, you have to get serious about it. 
Um, unfortunately, that is the first step. You have to take your money seriously. If you're going to do it haphazardly, it's not going to work. Um, it's got to be a long-term serious approach to it. Um, and serious means that you take time out to do a budget. You take time out to not only do the budget on paper, but that every month when you're paying your bills and when you're spending throughout the month, you're keeping track of it. Yeah. That's very important. If you That is the, the foundation. If you can't do that, yes. it's not going to work. When you're paying off debt, if you can pay off just a bit more than the minimum, that's the first, first good news step. Um, the advice is generally to say, have a look, write down all your debts, especially the, the loans and the, the credit cards and the things that you've taken from the banks, and work out which one is charging you the highest interest rate. And start paying those ones off first. Once those are paid off, and then you start saying, I'm going to pay this one first, then I'm going to pay this one, then I'm going to pay this one. So increasing more than the minimum is just a little bit per each. But actually start tackling one debt at a time. Some people, what they like to do is they tackle the tiny ones first because then they're getting a sense of I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can absolutely do that. I needed the boost to my confidence. You needed the boost, yeah. <laughs> and, and then after that, then you can tackle the big ones. But it's a consistent looking at your budget, tracking and monitoring yourself and staying serious about your money. Mm, I love that. I love that, guys. And I love what you say, Shanine. It's like, give the one debt your full undivided attention. Yeah. Because, wow, when I tried to do them all at once, that's when it was a disaster. Awesome. And also, I want to say something that I really talk about. I feel like just having a, a coach and also just a financial planner and people that every month, yeah, I could look at my own budget, but just having yeah. people that I could go to every month and just talk to you and say, look, I did it. Oh, my gosh. And just laugh about it and share about it. And you would ask me questions about, OK, so what you're going to do when you've paid off the debt? Just having people that keep you accountable it doesn't have Correct. to be just a financial planner, guys. It could be like yeah. a friend, groups of friends, a tribe that you're doing money work with. That stuff is powerful. But now if it's your friend or your tribe, it can't be that like, oh, we skip a month and we're not yeah. accountable. Oh, Chomi, it's cool. You'll do better next time. Yeah. Let's go shopping. No, yeah. it's got to be like we are committed to this financial freedom thing. It's not... Yeah. It's not a thing that we choose to go in and out of. It's like yeah. if we fall off, you get back on the bandwagon, right? Yeah. 100%. So we really hold each other accountable. So I found that was powerful. Okay. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> so most people keep messaging me. So the other message is, do you, and I kind of think I know what you answer. So <laughs> Do you have any invest, like people want to know where should they put their money now during the pandemic? Now I've got a lump sum, my pension fund has paid out or something has paid out or my retirement annuity has paid out because um, of uh, whatever's going on in the economy and I've lost my job, but now I've got this lot of money. What do I do with it? So people, and I don't have the answer to that. So why do you say to someone who's sitting now with a lump sum of money, because I get a lot of these emails and they have yeah. no clue what to do with this money. What do they do? Okay, so all the good news is actually, um, the, first, the first bit of advice, let me give you that first, is to say don't listen to the media. 
um, <laughs> because the media is going to confuse you. Find, find a, a planner or somebody that can really give you solid advice. But actually, this is a, the, the good news is that this is actually a perfect time to invest. When the markets are low, it's already starting to recover, but when the markets are low, you're buying cheap units. And when you buy cheap units, you get a recovery rate that's much faster than normal. Mm-hmm. So people are already starting to recover because they can hear there's a vaccine out and people are starting to get the vaccine now, maybe not in this country, but the news is there, the hype is there. And so there's a lot of positivity. And then the markets recover. When the markets go down, they always price the the the, the markets as a, as a person, if you say that, price themselves in as the worst possible scenario. Um, and then they start they start recuperating um, and they start bouncing back. So if you can get it in when it's, when it's the, when the prices are low, then you get that good bounce back. So it's actually a good it's a good time to to invest now. Mm, that's amazing. So where does someone start? I think that's where people are like, where do I start? And how do you know? know that this is the investment for you i think that's also maybe that's why people are asking yeah it's like how do i know what to invest in everybody's saying shares one person says unit trust one person says exchange traded funds one person says shipping containers (laughs) one person says real estate how do i know what to pick okay so first of all it depends on how much money you've got okay first of all how much money have you got how much debt have you got and how much have you gotten in that emergency fund? So all those are factors. And that's why we keep saying, and we're coming back to the same thing, that this is a personalized story. It's not a blanket approach for everybody. So I can't say this product is better or that product is better. There's a wide variety. I would say diversify as much as possible, have a long-term view, have a solid structured plan, but phone a, phone a planner, phone an advisor that can walk you through the process. Don't do the containers Containers and the high-risk <laughs> things are for people that really have money to blow. Okay, if you're not in that situation where you've got money to blow, don't blow it. Um, just <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I agree. Then you need to, agree. to do a more systematic plan. Hmm. Okay, so this question just popped up in my head because um, there are people that have delayed retirement uh, plans or anything and mm-hmm. now they're facing retirement in five to ten years. Can financial planners help them in that they, case or are you just a lost cause? There's no hope. No, no there's, never, there's never no hope. The, um, financial planners can help. Look, they're not going to um, give you that lush retirement that you were wanting. Because, but they can give you advice and maybe that you've got more money in different positions or different ways of thinking, different structures that you can do, different ideas that you can have for your retirement that actually might not be all doom and gloom. Maybe there is a thing, but you need to get someone to look at your personal circumstances. Don't be scared of a financial planner. We're not scary people. And we just actually, we actually just enjoy getting to know you, educating you a little bit, helping you along the way. If, um, if you've got so much debt, and that you're not breathing and you can't cope and whatever we'll walk you through the process and later when you're out of debt then we'll worry about how we're going to handle this product or that product or whatever so don't be scared of us (laughs) i'm so glad you said that um guys really it's not at all scary in fact what i found over the years is like shanine is talking about just this peace just this knowing that you know what, like I know I'm taking risks and all sorts of things, but at least there's 
things in place that no matter what happens, I've got certain things Mm -hmm. that I can fall back on. And I think for me, that's how I look at certain things. Like I know that there are investments that are going to pay out in another five years, in another 10 years. I've got investments that I can access in 48 hours. It just makes a huge difference, you know, to just know that, okay, that's there, that I can continue with my Mm -hmm. life. It doesn't mean that like, you know, I have to obsess about that. And it doesn't stop me from making other investment decisions and going down uh, mm-hmm. certain paths as well in terms of my investment decisions. Correct. Again, diversifying. That's it. Okay, so my second last question is, and I think this is kind of an important one. It is an important one in South Africa. Wills. The very, very first time, well, not the first time, but (laughs) somewhere in the beginning of working together, once we started everything and things were coming together, you got me to write a will. Why is that important? Because, yeah, I know a lot of deep things happen in the world when there are no wills, but I want you to talk about what is a will, why is it important, and how do you draft one? Okay, so a will is just a legal document to make sure that um, your money, your investments, your love, the things that you love in the world are going to to the people that you want them to go to. If you don't have a will, it means you die in test state. It drags out, the thing doesn't get wrapped up, your, your um, beneficiaries don't really know, did you want this person to have that, did you want that person? And it's not something that you want to leave uh, in the air or, or and if your will's not up to date then some people can get really hurt thinking that you didn't think about them in the meantime the will was just outdated um, mm-hmm. so it is a legal document so you do need someone that can help you don't go and buy a will from CNA and think that this is now <laughs> this is going to be it but the good news is that you can often get a will for free um, I work with a company uh, now that does wills for free they will contact oh. you they will do the a Zoom meeting if you prefer, or they'll come and see you to do your will. Um, they've also got a little a product that you can add extra little things. For example, if you pass away, that your spouse will have a little bit of money to carry on paying the bond and that sort of thing, which is not an expensive product. It's just something extra. Um, they give you a discount on your executor's fees and estate duty. So um, a will is not a scary thing, but it's a must-have, especially if you've got children. Um, or a husband or a spouse yeah wow so so powerful so who gets to keep the world we watch a lot of movies right and in the movie in the movies like where was the world who gets the world was this the last world written and so everybody's looking for the world Please tell me. I know. I know it's easier, but please tell us. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the, the trick is because people move and uh, change and, and change houses and change places, you keep it. An earlier an original will is uh, is valid. So it must be in an original handwriting. Mm-hmm. So generally, at the same time that we do the will, we do two or three copies, original copies. One goes to the will place. They keep it. One goes to you, and we say give give one to your mom or your uh, trusted friend or trusted um, so that it's in a different place to your house so generally we have at least three copies original copies so that but once it's at the at the um, wall house uh, it's pretty safe they've got our fire rooms and everything to make sure that it's safe at least that then you know you can kind of relax uh, but it is wow. nice yeah. yeah I like that so guys we can chill out and um, is there 
a time when people should write the will? When do you recommend that people write the will? Um, so I actually, for, for my own child, uh, my son, um, I made him write a will. He got married. He didn't, they didn't own anything. They didn't have anything. But because they got married, I, I said uh, a will first. So they've done the will. They can make changes as they go. But um, I think that it, as soon as you're young, you've either got assets or you're getting married or, some, or you're having a kid, now's the time. Mm, that's so so powerful wow guys i feel like we're learning all the things that like keep the wealthy wealthy because this is actually a very very important thing because otherwise assets get completely um split up in different ways and i think that a lot of money is lost in the process because there's been no will that's it you know so, um, and also because of the drag outs, because it takes so long, uh, the properties can't be rented out or something mm-hmm. can happen and the family gets confused and there's a lot of wasted money that goes on um, in trying to find a lawyer that will help. It's a, it's, a, it's a long process, trying to go to the master. Nobody wants to sit in the queue at the master of the court nowadays with um, COVID running around. Um, and this is the time where you're finding a lot of people are realizing um, people have unexpectedly died. And now there's uh, trauma happening. And it's an emotional trauma as well, um, Van. And you must remember your changing of the will. Generally, most places will let you change the will for free at least uh, once a year. So uh, that's amazing, Shanine. Wow. I I didn't know that. But I think it's so, yeah, I don't know. It's important. Because my circumstances haven't really changed, right? Yes. (laughs) And that's fine. But if but something did change, we yeah. had a conversation yeah. that once my circumstances change, like I get married or I have kids, it's the first awesome. thing, the first stop is the world. Yeah. I've got it. Absolutely. Guys, this is how wild Janine has changed. <laughs> I love it. Anything, I'm so impressed. <laughs> circumstances. My job is to go change that world. That's it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. So my final question, well, my second last before I ask how people can get hold of you is what are some questions that people can ask a financial advisor just to ensure that this is the right, right advisor for them and that this is the right fit? So, so my suggestion would be just first find out uh, who represents them. Are they uh, working for a big company? Do they have... Uh, a, um, somebody that is backing up their advice that is very important and then of course rapport it's important that the people can connect with you that you can feel that they, they've got good ethics that they've got good value that they um they think this a similar line to you you don't feel judged by them you don't feel that you can't open up and, and share because that's going to be a very good part going forward a very important step that you can feel that you can share and, and take things forward but i think let them from a um a little bit of experience um even the non-experienced advisors generally they have got good backup with um uh, management and training this sort of thing so they're not left isolated but if you can find someone that's got a bit of more experience um that they work for a reputable company and that you can see that the ethics is great and you feel you can open up to them i think you're in a good space yeah yeah i know that makes sense mm-hmm. to me wow I mean, as usual, I knew you would come and share deep wisdom and <laughs> Thank so you. much insights with us. And I so appreciate it because a lot of what you've shared is 
stuff that, like I said, I always say, like, it's not like I grew up in a family where we were all sitting around the dinner table and having conversations around mm -hmm. wealth creation, yeah. life insurance, this is how they differ. Like those conversations are not had and we're not taught this at school. Yeah. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing um, your wisdom and taking time out of your day. And how do people get hold of you? Because I know people have listened and they're like, nope, we need this woman in my life, in our life. <laughs> so you can get hold of me in many different ways. And thank you for having me, Van. I've really enjoyed it. Um, you, you can phone me on my cell at any time. It's 08, 083 978 9726. I'll say it again 083 978 9726. My email address is cgous at sfpadvice.ca.za. And um, otherwise, Van, I think I've sent you a card. You can put it up on your site if you can, um, so that they can okay. contact me if necessary. But um, don't feel shy. You can find me on my cell. I am available, and we can take it from there. Yeah, no, guys, I uh, will definitely have the card up on the website, and we'll have it up on the in the mailing list as well. So if you're on the Wealthy Money mailing list, uh, you'll get Shanine's card as a graphic on there as well. So Thank you. I am super happy. I am definitely satiated. So if you resonated with this, check out um, Shanine and give her a call, email her. Guys, like she really is super cool. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Like, she straight up told me you can't get a credit card. You know, like <laughs> may not lend itself to a credit card, which is why I still don't have a credit card. You know, I'm like, my financial advisor told me not to get a credit card. So you banks, nope, I'm sorry. So, and for seven years, Shanine told me, she was like, you're very entrepreneurial. If you need money, go make it. <laughs> advice I ever got. <laughs> I literally took that advice and I ran with it. Like if yeah. I run out of money, I go and I find out how to make it. <laughs> so, Oh, awesome. <laughs> you taught me that. So, Thank you. Guys, Thanks, Chris. If, if this resonated with you and you're loving this and you're loving the videos and you would love to also work on the emotional aspects around money, especially money trauma around spending, as you keep seeing, as you keep hearing, Shanine kept inserting a lot about the emotional aspects around money. Yeah. Do check out Wealthy Money's Bank Account Challenge. Um, the Bank Account Challenge is at, you can register for that at wealthy-money.com forward slash bank account. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash bank account. I, I walk you through my spend, uh, the tools I use and uh, the exercises I developed to help me start changing my triggers around spending, to start shifting my trauma around this need to spend every single penny in my bank account, which actually made it easier for me to stick to my spending manifesto or my budget, right? Because I first had to do the inner work. So I look forward to seeing you in that course and the bonus around that course is that you get to be part of a secret Facebook tribe, right? We just, I just shared how valuable that was for me to have a tribe 
or to just, I didn't have a tribe at the time. I had Shanine and my coach, but to just have a coach and a tribe and people working with you to help you change your spending habits so that it's not alone. You don't feel alone. You don't feel like you're doing this on your own makes all the difference in the world. So as part of the course when you register you get to be in the secret facebook group and on top of that i do the challenge live with the students once a quarter so we all get to hold the same intentions once a quarter and every single quarter if you are missing your monthly dates with the budget as Janine has been saying you get to do those dates with us once a quarter and that is all part and parcel of being in the course and being registered in the course and the best part i think is that you get lifetime access to the bank account challenge so do check it out or else if you've been watching all the other videos around the money magic course which is a whole um different course my signature course around increasing income then go to wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic again wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic get on the waiting list for the course. Once we open for registration, you'll get all the information around that. But for now, for, uh, starting from January 27th, 2021 to January 31st, 2021, we'll be doing five days of the Bank Account Challenge because it is a five-day course um, to working through your spending habits and changing your spending habits. So thank you for joining us and thank you once more, Shanine. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.